0: This is the premier podcast for late model dirt track racing. This is Forward Bite, hosted by superfan and actual know-it-all Kyle Armstrong on the Speed Sport Podcast Network. Welcome back to another edition of the Forward Bite podcast on the Speed Sport Podcast Network. I'm your host Kyle Armstrong. This is episode number 14. Today we're going to talk to Clint "Cat Daddy" Smith and get a little bit more in depth about his about his racing career and what he's up to today with Sonoy Raceway, so stay tuned to hear more of that. But first, you know, we'll talk a little bit about some of the races that happened this weekend. The uh, Dryden Extreme Dirt Car Series was back in action for a weekend doubleheader. Saturday night, they raced at Lakeview Motor Speedway in South Carolina. Ross Bell's picked up the win down there over Matthew Nance, Clay Knight, Dustin Mitchell, and Stuart Friesen finished fifth. That was a pretty interesting race, really. Uh, the Matthew Nance was really dominant and was, was leading the thing and Ross was running second and they got in some lap traffic there about middle of the way through the show and uh, Matthew ran into the ran into this guy that was slowed down and Bales ran into him and they both went around and the series gave them their spots back and, and uh, so Nance had a front end that was all bowed up and not very aerodynamic friendly. And, uh, with about seven to go, and it was really a one groove racetrack and, uh, and, uh, with about seven to go, Ross Bells put it on the high side and just drove around him and just pulled away and won that race. Um, I did not attend that race, but that was just from what I watched online, uh, you know, on the YouTube highlight video. So if I left out any details, I mean, I, you know, that's about all the research I did on that deal. So, uh, yesterday, uh, the series moved to Cherokee Speedway in Gaffney, South Carolina, and I actually did go attend that race. Uh, Chris Madden picked up the win in dominant fashion uh, over Ross Bells, Kyle Strickler, Adam Yarborough, and Stuart Friesen. Again, rounded out the top five. Uh, Chris Madden he took the lead on the first lap. He went off in turn one on the outside a little harder than uh, than the inside guy, and uh, he just pulled away and checked out. And it was really just a it was really just a lockdown one groove racetrack. And um, but Chris Madden would be Coming out of turn two, whenever Ross was still working out of turn four, so I mean he was just checked out on them. And it was a forty lap race. Uh, as you can remember, back at the Blue Gray one hundred, Chris Madden had led a lot of laps that day too, and uh, blew a tire with uh, just a, just a handful of laps to go. Well, yesterday was just a forty lap race, and there toward the end, a lot of cars started blowing those right rear tires again, just like typical Gaffney. But this time, like I said, it was just a forty lap or so kind of unreal to see see that the track just must really be really abrasive down there but uh but chris madden still had plenty of uh life left in his right rear tire and uh you know i looked at it and i said man he's uh he's he's got a lot of meat left on that thing he could probably go ahead and run another 60 laps so uh So anyway, yeah, congratulations to Chris Smokey Madden. I believe he's the points leader in the series. Uh, They got one more race to go next weekend down at Modoc Speedway in uh, Modoc, South Carolina, right next to Augusta, Georgia. And I believe you'll probably see Chris Madden wrap up the points championship next week. I'm not even sure if anybody's really close to him there on that. So, uh, yeah, both of those races this weekend were just kind of kind of uh kind of snooze fest if you will and I, and I don't mean to put them put them down in any kind of way but i just wonder why uh why the southeast and south carolina in general and north carolina just these racetracks around here not really uh don't really produce good racing for whatever reason and i you know and i'm not trying to put them down in any kind of way but uh if you want to if you have any ideas or or why that could be you know feel free to tweet us at forward bike on twitter and uh you know let us know what you think uh i i think that these tracks maybe you know if they had some banking or if they were just prepared a little bit different maybe they wouldn't rubber up i I know it was a daytime race a little bit of wind was a factor and you know i don't have a dollar invested in it so i don't want to feel like i'm putting anything down but i just feel like uh you know we could do better on preparing some of these tracks and uh you know like you look at these guys that race up in illinois every weekend and all that they uh they're right up on the wall, right through the middle, right on the bottom, and exciting three-wide racing, and that's, that's what we need to see. Uh, you know, one of the best tracks around this uh, in the southeast is probably Sonoy Raceway, and we're going to go to the phone lines next, and we're going to talk to Clint Smith, and we're going to find out what makes that track tick, so stay tuned on the Speed Sport Podcast Network. This is the Forward Bike Podcast. We're going to go to the phone lines and talk to Clint Smith down in Sonoy, Georgia. Clint, what's going on, man?
1: Oh, she in walking this racetrack, at Snow Raceway trying to get ready for the season opener. Uh it's been a hard fix to get everything fixed up.
0: Yeah, what kinda of, uh what kind of work you been doing on it today?
1: Uh we uh we got a grade crew over there doing a lot of changing of the uh where you're gonna enter the racetrack at. Uh taking out a lot of trees, it's doing a lot of facility fixing up. Uh, racetrack's gonna stay the same, it's gonna stay the gray, uh, clay there, and we're going to just have a different entrance to the racetrack from the, for the race cars to come on, make everything a lot smoother, be a one way in one way out type of thing. And it will be a lot better than the congestion we used to have on the back straightaway.
0: Well, good deal. I've never got the chance to come to that track yet, but I've got it on my radar for this year. And, uh, we, uh, a lot of my guests I've had on this show quite a, quite a few times, they've brought up racing at that track. They think it's one of the best tracks in the Southeast. What do you think makes that track tick?
1: Uh, definitely, the clay uh, on the racetrack makes it about four wide racing. Always use the fastest car gets it done. It ain't the, it ain't no blocking much. If you fast, you go right onto the lead, and uh, it just makes it real unique. Uh, it's way smaller than Eldora, but it reminds you Eldora how you can pass. You know, just you get there do a slide job or whatever. And it's kind of a small track for slide jobs, but you can make it happen. Uh, it's just a real unique place. Uh, it makes them super nice for racing. That's why the big guys like
0: to come here. Yeah, you uh, you, you did mention Eldora, and that's kind of what it does remind me of—just a little scaled-down version of it. It races really good, and yeah, you guys got you a diamond down there. Well, what is your what is your role with uh, with sonoy Raceway? I know you live just right around the corner there, but tell us a little bit about how uh, you know how you're involved with the place down there.
1: As you know, Sonny Pollard has rebought the racetrack from when his dad owned it back in the in the eighties and uh, it's family owned now again, uh, from the, and they're super excited to get it. Uh, it's been really run down as far as the facility. So they're fixing everything back up. It's going to be like a brand new racetrack as far as uh, they're looking at it and everything painted new roofs on everything. All the shrubbery cut back and, uh, they they're taking pride in making a track like it needs to be back like, uh, it used to be before it got run down. Uh, it's going to be the facility going to match the track now.
0: That's so
1: it's all. It's going to be a nice place and the racetrack going to be nice. So, uh, my role there is, uh, as everybody knows, the Pollard family has bought it and they brought me on. I'm a distant kin of the Pollards and, uh, through marriage. And they brought me on as, I'm not saying I'm motor, but I'm the competition director and pretty much promoting. So, uh, they we go to come to me we have meetings about everything and uh, they're really excited about getting it going i'm really excited about running a racetrack kind of consistently for the first time instead of just coming in for a week and leaving i'm ready to, to make a career out of doing that i guess in my second stage of my race
0: well that's interesting to hear that you're gonna that you're gonna be doing that i mean you know it looks like uh Ray Cook has made a pretty good career out of promoting races and working on his track. And, uh, and I know you've got the, uh, a lot of the same experience as he does. And I think, uh, I think you'll do good at that role for sure.
1: Yeah. We're trying to make it, uh, I think I can bring what I know to the table and make it good for the racers, fans and the owner. And that's uh, three people I got to satisfy. If I can get that done, then uh, I've been and done my job correctly. So we, uh, uh we got some big races coming in to start the year and finish the year with a big one. So hopefully we can uh, key on a lot of the middle uh, class cars and classes and make them guys shine a little bit this year, too. And we're going to just really uh, pick it up. And then next year, hopefully we we'll get some shows like the, we mentioned the Dirt Modifieds from north, up north or the UMP Modifieds maybe come in here and hopefully maybe get a Ward Outlaws or Lucas show coming in. So we're looking forward to it. 2022 uh, also here, not just the year we're getting started here. We're looking for already for next year.
0: Yeah, that's exciting to hear. Uh, well, what when is your season opener down there?
1: Season opener is April 10th, and then our points opener is the 17th. So uh, hopefully we'll get everything. We'll have a couple of practices in the end of March, and then just going to fire off. Uh, it's going to take until the 10th to really get ready to go here as far as all our new transponder system and everything getting up and going. Uh, we got all the PA system going. Everything's uh, really going in the right direction. Uh, the weather cooperate a little bit. We can feed the pace up a little bit more.
0: Yeah, I understand that. The uh, the weather, you can't do nothing about that.
1: No, but it's, uh, hopefully we can, uh, I know we're ahead of it because we've got so much equipment going on. We're kind of staying ahead of the weather. So, um, a little bit of rain we have actually helps us out, so. Uh, keeps the dust settle a little
0: bit. Right. Well, what are some of your, what are some of the highlights of the, uh, of the 2021 schedule there at Snowy this year? If you don't mind sharing some of the big, super late model races, I guess you could say.
1: Actually, we're going to stay kind of with the Southern All-Stars this year to end the ultimate series with uh, Kelly Carlton. Uh, we got the Mike head now, uh, it's going to be the Mike head junior and Mike head Memorial. Um, because of the passing of Mike today with some sad news in the racing world. And uh, one of my best friends on and off track. so uh, we're going to change the name a little bit. And we got that race coming up. We got the Roscoe Smith Classic coming up also. It's the first one we got. And then we actually got an ultimate show coming in uh, with Taylor Carlton midseason and then we're finishing off the year with uh, the showdown and uh, that'll be the Hans Potter Memorial paying 10,000. So that's our biggest show of the year. So hopefully we can uh, get that going. We've got monster trucks again this year. We've got the flat track motorcycles twice this year. Uh, We also got uh, the Red Clay Series coming in. We got the Topless Outlaws coming in uh, monster minis i think is going to come in for a show uh we actually got a big 10th our opening day has got a 800 win mini stock race so that's going to be a, a big mini stock show just to start the season everybody's interested in listening go to sonora Raceway 1969.com uh, it's uh, kind of a unique I mean, the track was open so we changed the website to of that to uh, kind of show the history of the track and the websites up and going and showing old pictures from the 60s, 70s, and 80s, it's pretty cool to go back and look at some pictures and they're getting updated every day, so that's pretty neat.
0: Yeah, it sounds like you guys have got a good season in store, but you mentioned Mike Head there and that's, uh, I was going to bring that up later in the show, but uh, man, that that is really sad to, uh, to hear that news today. And uh, you know, Mike Head was a was definitely a legend of the Dirt Lake Model Sport and uh and man, I think I think I remember meeting him way back in probably about two thousand two, then at Golden Isle Speedway, and he was telling me, Man, this place is just too fast for us. And you know, he's a he's a giant of a man. And that, that big track on whenever it was oil based, it had him shaking and I shook, I remember shaking his hand that night. And uh, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Man, that's a that's a man with a big firm handshake. Whenever he shakes your hand, he yeah. meant it. It took
1: both your hands to hold his hand.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: He, he is. uh, I consider him the top ten best race car driver ever. Yeah. That's uh, that's with Dale Earnhardt Sr., the Jeff Furvis, the Larry Moore, everybody. He's uh, Rodney Combs. I think Mike Hill was one of the best crew drivers uh, that was in racing. I think you're right. Heartbroken, assuming he got in the shape, he got in, and the losing the day was—it's was tough for the rest of the world.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's definitely a, a, a bad deal. And uh, you know, he did—he uh, he got to attend your race there. You had last year. I remember seeing—you know—Brandon Overton won that race, and he uh, got his picture made in victory lane with Brandon that night. And uh, and I remember sending Brandon a message. I thought that was the cool. I said, "You need to." I said, "You'll say You'll really uh, appreciate that picture one day." And I hope that uh, I hope that he does.
1: Yeah, and then. Michael Page won it, and then I won the first time it came to Sonora. And I was uh, so glad to get that race under my belt before I got kicked back in more uh, just idling along racing. Than a, and it, it was satisfying to get that done. So hopefully we can, uh, it can grow to be a bigger and bad. We may actually up the first. We talk now to Southern All-Stars about up in the first for that. If, if we get some sponsors on board, we're going try to get that race up to 10,000. So
0: hopefully we can do that. Yeah. It needs to be like 10,054 to win. Yeah, that's right. So it is 5,400
1: 5, right now. Yeah. So hopefully
0: we will get the sponsors to make that happen. Well, that'd be awesome. Well, Clint, uh, let's talk a little bit about your racing career. If you don't mind. I know you're, uh, I know you grew up, your father is Roscoe Smith and he's obviously a, uh, he's obviously a Georgia hall of famer and he's been, you know, he's definitely a legend of the sport, uh, how was it growing up around him? And when did you really get your start in racing?
1: Well, I started in 1980, second generation driver, of course, with him. And, uh, I got after it heavy and just, uh, he kind of stepped back about 1980 and let me kind of take over. I think he quit about 83 or four and let me kind of take over all the racing, uh, for Roscoe Smith Enterprises at the time. And, uh, we, we did a good job and. Uh, we had a good time. We always kind of a little underfunded. In fact, some of the stuff we were racing with, but we make, we made it happen. You know, we had better race cars and uh, better equipment sometimes, and a lot of them, even though the motors was not up to up par. So um, it was real fortunate to get into racing like I did, and uh, man, I couldn't ask for a better teacher than Roscoe Smith, Rheon Archer, Mike Head. Uh, Leon Sales, all the guys that we know as legends was teaching me how to race, and I raced with all them guys, and I look back at some of my biggest accomplishments, and some of it's just getting raced with them legends. Maybe I think I even raced uh, a race with Charlie Manson, you know, so it was back in 80. So it was uh, all them greats, there's from down here, I get to race with them, and it defined, I think, I look at all back and shoot, all these guys are passing away and losing all my racing heroes is kind of a tough deal and everybody talks about all the legends and I said, Shoot, I race with all these you You know, so tells me kinda how long I've been doing it. (laughs) We enjoyed it we kinda got on we always raced on the road kinda after we kinda run local for a while and I enjoyed racing the first ten years of the World Outlaws and and uh you know, we won a bunch of races. We got off the road racing. We come back to the house here. We won about 75 races here since we've been off the road since 2015. And uh, it's going to be tough this year watching every week, but uh, I'm going to race some, probably at a couple of racetracks around local on Friday nights or something. But uh, it's going to be tough to watch on Saturday night at the, one of the best racetracks in the country when I'm up in the tower or something. So it's going to be a little change. Uh so, promoting and uh, racing don't seem to go together. So, I got to pick one or the other. So, we, we're going to promote this year. and uh, We're going to take a week off and go up to the, get to the inducted in the Hall of Fame. I was fortunate enough to get that honor this year. And uh, we're going to go up and do that. It's North-South 100. And uh, take the weekend off here. That's the weekend sprint cars will be here. So, I can let uh, Pete Walton handle that show while I'm gone up there. So, it'll be a good night to take off
0: yeah well congratulations on that accomplishment too by the way national dirt late model hall of famer i mean that's uh that's deserving and you're mentioning talking you're saying you know you race with all those legends i would uh i would i know you're too humble to say so but i would throw your name right in there you're a legend too clint
1: (laughs) maybe when i can slam quit racing i can become something but right now i'm just a racer and i enjoy putting on shows and doing the best we can do and i love building these race cars and I got two great guys here at CSR uh, working here, Stacy Turner and Michael Couch, and man, they do a great job fabricating. Uh, we put out some premium work here, and uh, we do you know quality, not quantity. So uh, everybody loves to bring your stuff here, and uh, we enjoy doing work on cars every day too. So that's gonna continue on with the racetrack uh, promoting stuff. So hopefully we can uh, make it all work together.
0: Well, that sounds good. We'll take a quick break and we'll come right back. And I've got some more questions for you, Clint.
1: All right, be right here.
0: Well, Clint, you, uh, you know, you and your dad, you always had that a uh, checkered flag on the roof, and you kind of carried that tradition over to your career. And and you, uh, you know, like you said, you started racing in 1980, and I mean, you've really raced throughout all the different kinds of dirt late models throughout, you know, all shapes and sizes of body rules and shocks and springs and all everything that's that's came about you've had your hand in pretty much and uh but you've always had that uh, checkered flag on the roof pretty much on all your cars throughout the years and i think i've heard the story before but if you'll tell that one real quick
1: uh that was just the second generation that was my dad liked the uh checkerboard roof uh, that somebody had drag racing actually and they was yelling they was yelling red and he wanted he would change his to black and white checkered uh, when he started dirt track racing, you look at his cars in 1965, and it, he had that checkerboard roof on them, and it just stuck with us all my life, and I've always run it. So it's kind of a no big long story on about it. He just liked it, and we've run the checkerboard roofs my whole career. So just
0: carrying, uh, just, uh, just carrying on the tradition, wasn't it?
1: That's all it is. Second generation.
0: Well, 10-4. Yeah, you so. So then you, then, you know, coming into the, coming into the nineties there to the have a Tampa series kind of kicked off and, you know, they, they ran the 90, 91 and the 92 and they didn't really count points. But in 1993, it was the first season they counted the points and, and you came up the champion that year. If you can maybe recall some stories or some highlights from that year and, uh, from winning the inaugural have a Tampa points championship back in 93.
1: Yeah, that's when, uh, Mike Swims and Jimmy Mostella was involved and they decided to do it. Uh, That's like the first ultimate, or Lucas Oil, I guess you could say now, uh, series started. And uh, that was inaugural year, and I was chasing another one of my heroes, Buck Simmons. And it seems like we was uh, tit for tat every week, and I finally got the lead on him uh, down in Florida. And I think it was at St. Augustine, and I took the points lead from him. And then they had trouble, and they kind of dropped off tour about a month after that. And then we had kind of had a landslide championship then. Uh, so it was pretty special to to get that done in '93. That was a pretty cool deal. And I've always been a pretty good points racer, not really a dominating winning driver. As I've always been uh, real positive in the points world, and I, I think that's. I think one time they called me Iron Man will have a top series because I ran so many of them. And then we won, we ran, uh, the first 10 years of world outlaw races without skipping a race. So, uh, we just, uh, was always into points, points chasing, I guess. And then we actually got off the road and we won the first four championships over here at Sonora just after being off the road. So it's a uh, pretty, I guess I'm a, I've been a points racer most of my life.
0: Yeah. You also won the uh, Southern all-stars championship that year in 93. And I was, I just was curious. I, I, I mean, I was, uh, I was just a little kid or a little baby at that time. So I just wonder how you <laughs> could pull off winning two championships in the same year like that.
1: Well, they was at the time there, they was kind of combined. Okay. Uh, you had, the Southern all-star championship was, uh, several more races than what the Havatampa was, but every one of the Havatampa races was Havatampa points and, uh. Then the others come down to, uh, to winning the Southern All-Star points was just a lot more races. So it was uh, done at the same time. But fortunately, they was all, the have a temporary race it was, at them Southern All-Star ch- shows, so it made it uh, easy to run both series.
0: I got you. That makes sense. Well, then you went on to win three more of those Southern All-Stars championships in your career, 93. Well, 92, you won it, and then you had 2000 and 2003, so – you uh you ran a lot of those Southern All Stars races and championships.
1: My first uh my first championship in '92 was we was challenging Mike Head throughout the whole year and that's how uh, him and myself got to be such well, we always great friends all of my life because he was my racing hero when I was a kid. Uh-huh. Uh, I I love Mike See, so We talked about him. He actually worked at my dad's shop some, but we come down to the last race at Cleveland. And he blew an oil line off, and I think I had a six-point lead. So all I had to do was finish in front of him. And mine was running hot, and uh, I had a six-lap lead on him because he had an oil line he had to fix. And that's when it was the Gobbler 100. And uh, we actually run second to Ronnie Johnson and uh, won the championship that year at the last race. So that was uh, real special, even though I had to uh, beat my nemesis there, Mike Head. He was – he was always a great, great racer, and me and him always raced great together. Uh, but that was my first championship in '92. I guess that made it more special to beat the racing hero at the end there.
0: Yeah, it's definitely good to recollect some of these old Mike Head stories, you know, especially on a day like this. And uh, yeah, you, uh, yeah, that's neat. You got to outrun him.
1: But that, ain't, uh, but he, he got the upper hand most of the time.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. He, he yeah. was the I had to, I grew up racing against him, so that's why I think that's, you know, I'm not saying I'm that good, but he made me as good as I am uh, because I raced with him every week. And you had to win a race, you had to beat him. So um, it it was a tough business.
0: Yeah, and you kind of went a decade there, kind of being a regional Southeastern racer and everything. Ran ran a lot of Southern All-Stars races, but, uh, you know, then whenever that World of Outlaws deal started, you kind of became the 13th driver of the World of Outlaws when Wendell Wallace dropped off. Uh, you know, you were part of the dirty dozen at that point, And you, like you, you've kind of alluded to here. Uh, you know, you, you were, you were with them guys on that tour for 10 years and just a staple of the tour. And, uh, I mean, you saw, you got to see the whole country, didn't you traveling up and down the road with those guys?
1: Man, they go out as far as Wyoming and then, uh, in Canada and up there to North Dakota, all up in there, man, it was just great traveling. And, uh, got to go see deadwood and mount rushmore and all that stuff that the general person ever gets to see we got to do all that for free just riding you know riding around racing so uh, all the amusement parks nobody ever heard of we've been to and uh just there is fun times out on the road when it's not serious so uh <laughs> i traveled with a lot of great guys back then and uh they half of them still getting it you know rick eckert and to Frank, Shane Clanton, Mark Richards, all of them still getting it. So it's uh, it was a very special crowd to be around. Daryl Lanigan, all of them.
0: Yeah, it seemed like you kind of became best friends with Tim Fuller there for a little while, too, didn't you?
1: Uh, Tim was just here eating Japanese with us here a while uh, in February and testing down at Snow Raceway. Uh, we still best of friends. He just lived 17 hours
0: from me. <laughs> yeah you guys got to uh got to got to run the roads a whole lot together there well what were some of your big wins during those uh, world of outlaw days
1: well you know we won uh every world outlaw race is a big one yeah but the one that kind of stand out is the very first um tv show that was uh i think it was stacker two at the time was at west uh, i mean uh virginia motor speedway and we won the very first Ford outlaws TV show. So that was a uh, pretty cool. Get the first win there on TV. So that was a Dixie chopper 50. I think it was called. And, uh, man, then the win in Georgia at the time, the only super late moderation, I think need more run in 2010 or 11. Uh, we won that one in the state of Georgia. And that was, uh, that was cool at the time, because there wasn't many Ford Outlaws races running in Georgia. So, um, we we made that happen before we quit. So, um, there's several that's. I mean, uh, that got the win. Two of them up in Michigan, uh, racing in the states you never raced in. Uh, went into places you. I like Camp Motor Speedway up in Illinois, against all the UMP guys. Uh, we won that race, and it's just a uh, special. Chris Madden was on tour when we done that, and he was second to me. And uh, dude, me and Chris has raced ever against each other uh a lot so uh, just a bunch of all them word out all races but every race is special you can win a go-kart race against your wife and it's special so
0: <laughs> yeah
1: all them wins feel about the same when you come across the chicken flag
0: yeah that's right and you mentioned chris madden there you know i saw him win last night down at uh cherokee speedway he uh he straight away them guys
1: yeah he's uh switched over to rocket xr ones and he's uh making the most of it he's uh he's a tough customer especially up in that area
0: yeah and speaking of Cherokee Speedway uh you probably you probably remember this I was there I remember this uh like it was yesterday really it was uh whenever they shortened up the track in 2007 you came there and you won that very first race on the on the new configuration at Cherokee Speedway and it's still that way today
1: you're off a little bit it was 2005 and uh yeah we set a track record that day and won the first March Madness race
0: I I thought it, I was so track. I was thinking it was 07, but we'll we'll check on that. I think I think it was 07 because I I believe the last uh, blue gray was on the big track in 06, So, but it could be answered. right too. Yeah, it's right around in there somewhere.
1: I thought my checks in O five it might man, say O seven.
0: Yeah, well, they probably misprinted it. My armband down there yesterday said two thousand eighteen. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It, might,
1: it might say 2007. You may be correct yeah. on that, but that was a special day there, too, because Gaffney's – I won the Stick Elliott Memorial there and the Blue Gray 100 there. And that when I drove for Dunn-Benson Ford with Carlton Lamb and Kemp Lamb, that was uh, that was their favorite racetrack. I always wanted to win them two races, and we got both of them done while I drove for them. And that was uh, – that wasn't word out on races, but they were, that's two special races for sure that uh, stands out
0: yeah no doubt and and you mentioned that uh you mentioned that dun benson ride i was gonna i was meaning to bring that up and i was gonna let it slip my mind if i if you wouldn't have just now brought it up but uh <laughs> but, yeah how was uh how was those years driving for that team
1: man yeah that was a that's the classiest uh crowd you ever drive for clean uh, well-mannered they just class acts all the way around they was uh carson and kemp both was uh Kemp's still doing some of it, but, uh, man, Carlton was the best. there was in the business. He was, um, uh, class act on the way. I, you can't ask nobody better to drive
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then you, uh, you really were paired up with GRT for a long time, you know, Joe Garrison. And it seems like you were really the, their flagship national touring driver there for a long time. And, uh, just what was that uh, relationship about, or, or like, I mean, you uh, you stuck with those guys when nearly nobody else was with GRT at the time. It seems like.
1: Yeah, we was uh we had our biggest years of winning probably in oh six oh seven oh eight, uh, when we won some of the biggest races. I won was uh we won twenty four thousand I think in one day or something like that. That we won uh Possum Town Grand Prix in Mississippi and come over the same day and won sixteen thousand at Green Valley. Uh, my buddy Skip Hart broke coming to the flag, and I beat him to the flag stand. And then uh, I also won, the I think, the 06, 06 or 07, Gilbilly 100 up there in West Virginia, uh, which is real special. And that's my biggest win as far as one-day cash. We won 25,000 that day and then went on and run third in the World 100 the following weekend. So we uh, that was a good couple of man, them years with GRT. Me and Joe Garrison got along. Uh, good as you get along and man he was a great ambassador to this uh that's passed away and left us in a hole in racing also man he was uh he was one of the best inventors and best work on the on the market
0: yeah unfortunately we've lost him too but yeah he was uh he was definitely innovative in his time and uh man he he they built a lot of race cars in that shop out there that uh, that won a lot of races
1: yes that's for sure and i think they still went in grt's is a modified world now so they're big into modifieds, and uh, still, I still call out there and get parts for GRTs. I work on them all the time, and they got parts on the shelf still for super late models, so they ain't, they ain't gone yet. So yeah, it's just, uh, ain't no telling. Sometimes this race where it's racing funny how things turn around.
0: Oh yeah, I think they just need to keep hanging on, and they'll, uh <laughs> it'll come back around to them. Well, Clint, uh what? Can you can you kinda uh talk me through some of the racing you've done in the past two or three years there at Sanoa, Georgia? I know you uh you kinda got off the road uh running the World of Outlaw National Tour and uh it seems like you go over to uh to your home track there at Sonoma and you got uh you got like two or three or four late models some nights and some nights you'll win all four <laughs> features.
1: Uh, we usually went two a night, but it's uh, we won thirty three one year and uh I think in two thousand sixteen we won thirty three races and that's the most ever won in a year so far. And, uh, man, it just – I got to work on everybody's cars, and I drive other people's stuff. And uh, we were racing 602s, 604s, limited, super late models. And uh, I think I went to the National 100 and run four classes, and same thing in, uh, in the state race down there. And come back and run about three or four classes up here for the showdown. Uh, man, it's just been special to race here at the house and run any kind of car we wanted to run. And usually we run the top faster at night. So and uh, I talked to stuff on Facebook about me cherry picking. I said, i was just racing what they offered me to race. So it wasn't a cherry picking by no means. But when you come off the road racing with that crowd I was racing with, sometimes it makes it a little easier around the house uh, to, to shine. And now they come in here and whoop me pretty bad. So uh, I, ain't, I ain't caught up as good as I should have. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, it's uh, it's it's cool though to see you uh, winning, winning some races still to this day, and uh, you know, I, oh, and you know, you mentioned that you're going to be inducted into the National Dirt Late Model Hall of Fame earlier, and I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, you're going to take a car up there and uh, enter the entered the uh, North South 100 this year at Florence.
1: Man, I got a couple of people that want me to take my car, and I got Super Late Model sitting here, race ready, and uh, I don't know, it just takes away from the special time that's. Uh, to being inducted and all I think it's, I think you almost should be retired to, to get that honor and for me to race the same weekend I think I'd take away from the special time of the the night and getting to walk around and talk with everybody so there's a strong chance we're not racing unless the sponsor just comes on and said, hey I want you to get it done so we may do it then but uh, we're probably just going to go up and have a good time with the family and enjoy the moment and uh, reminisce with the the guys ran there racing and watch a good race car. Man, they get it on up there.
0: Yeah, they do. I love going up there, and I, if things go right, I should be there that weekend, and I'll, uh, I'll shake your hand and congratulate you, Clint.
1: Man, I appreciate it, and uh, man, I couldn't do all this without my family for sure. My, my wife uh, Kim and my daughter Jenna—they're into this racing as much as I am, and my daughter Pure loves it. She keeps score up here to racetrack and does the transponders and race directs a good bit, and. Uh, she's all about it and then her my son-in-law andy wilson has been my crew chief for the past eight years and man we won all this together and uh just really got after it and uh it takes a team effort to make this happen for sure
0: absolutely well clint i really do appreciate your time tonight and uh coming on the podcast and i think a lot of people are going to enjoy listening to this and we wish you a lot of luck down there this year on the Uh, wearing the promoter's hat and hopefully we'll see you back behind the wheel a little bit here and there too and uh yeah like i said i can't thank you enough for being on this show tonight man
1: man thanks for having me and i hope to be back on telling you some good promoter stories
0: next year at this time (laughs) that's right we'll get you back on here sometime All right, folks, that was the cat daddy, Clint Smith, on the Forward Bike Podcast. I hope you enjoyed that one. Another episode of the Forward Bike Podcast is in the books for this week on the SpeedSport Podcast Network. I'm your host, Kyle Armstrong. We'll see you next week.